Hey there, and welcome to the second episode of the Matt Levine My Generation podcast, currently sponsored by no one. Seriously, if you run a business or have a business in mind that would love to be my sponsor, please reach out. Today we have 15-year-old singer-songwriter Jack West from Rochester, New York, to discuss his new single, The Last Arcade, what it's like to record an album in Seattle, songwriting, and plenty more. Jack's new single, The Last Arcade, is available to stream on all platforms starting on Friday, June 5th. Thanks for listening and enjoy. All right. Hey, everyone. Jack, what's up? Noah. Yeah. What's up? So, um, Jack, how's that hair during quarantine? Is it, is it, tough, to, is it tough to take care of? <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't got a haircut in like four months. So I say, yeah, it, it needs to be cut. It's getting a little too <laughs> Yeah, no wonder both of you guys are wearing hair, uh, hats. My my hair's not any better, but it's a it's a little bit better. All right, no, it's not very good at all. So um, let let's start talking about your music background. So who are some of your greatest influences, and and how do they impact you musically right off the bat? Um, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are definitely my favorite band. Uh, they I saw them in concert for the first time in Toronto about three years ago, in instantly i was hooked to them so i would say definitely them jack white um foster the people i really like kind of ranges i really like billy eilish it ranges all the way from rock to metal to pop to EDM. Yeah. i like it all but so, i think it creates my own sound which is pretty cool so when do you when do you start playing playing guitar and when what was your first instrument that you uh, learned how to play uh, I, my first instrument was piano and I learned how to play piano when I was five and that, uh, I'm pretty good at piano, <laughs> but I, I picked up on guitar when I was seven and then that was kind of my main instrument. I don't really play piano unless I'm writing music. Yeah. Is there, is there someone who you credit as your mentor? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, uh, I think Eddie Vedder can be up there as well as um, many fellow producers and bandmates. But if I had to go with, you know, a world-renowned figure that everyone knows, it would probably be Eddie Vedder because he kind of kicked it off. I mean, I don't want to be based off, I don't want my career to be based off him, but I think it really gave me a good start. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2017, you got to perform with him. How, how was that? Uh, that was cool. Um, there's a lot of people. There was like 30,000 people. I was pretty, pretty nervous, but I think I pulled through. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was definitely really cool. I got a lot of new fans from that. And pretty much every opportunity that's come along today has somehow came from that, which I really don't like to base it off that, but it is true. So, Well, in... I, I play guitar and I, I write my own stuff too. And in 2012, I was on stage with Bruce. I sang Waiting on a Sunny Day with him. Oh, and God. Yeah. I remember after that happened, like everyone, all of like my family, friends, and all my friends, they were like, you were the guy who like sang on stage with Bruce. And that was right around the time that like I started picking up guitar. And I remember like going to a guitar recital once. It was like my first year playing and I played like this this terrible song whatever it was and I remember 
the owner of like the music shop introducing me as like the guy who played on stage with Bruce. And I just, I remember hating that because it's like a label and you don't want to be known as that label. Yeah, exactly. But that's pretty cool. I think I saw that video a few years back, but never realized it was you. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. So if you don't mind us asking, can we, how did you, how did you approach Eddie? Because I think your video is even cooler than my video because you approached him before the show and then you played with him backstage. Yeah, right. Um, I met him at the hotel. Uh, we were staying at the same hotel, uh, not on purpose, but we were staying at the same hotel in downtown Nashville. And I ran into him inside the lobby and I, just, I asked for a picture first, obviously, but then I straight up asked him if I could play with him. And then we ended up talking for about 10 minutes inside the hotel. Um, and he took my phone number and then his bodyguard messaged me when I got to the venue or the festival. And then, you know, he came out, Pete, the bodyguard came out. He took me backstage. This was about four hours before we went on. I practiced with him and, and then we got, my whole family got to go backstage and watch it. Which that's was awesome. Cool. So yeah, that's kind of how it went down and that's kind of scattered. But so I went, so let's start to talk about songwriting. So I pull, I pull when I write songs, I sometimes use my imagination. I sometimes use what's going on in the news. How do you approach songwriting? Do you have a, a specific routine that you go through each time? Um, yeah, so recently, the, last, the first record for the record um, was kind of, it was a collection of songs I written over like the past three years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took them into like the producer I recorded with out in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I guess to answer your question for inspiration. Yeah, I guess it ranges from imagination, the news, you know, like personal things, uh, you know, just like that kind of stuff. So for example, like the song, the flower city, which is on my first record, that's actually the nickname of Rochester, New York, where I'm from. So that's about wow. Rochester. And then like this new song, The Last Arcade, which is coming out this Friday. Um, that I wrote with a few of my bandmates, which I never really wrote with anyone except myself, which I started getting into. So we wrote that in Brooklyn. And that is about, we, as we were walking one day, taking a break from writing, uh, we came across the Killer Queen arcade machine, and apparently there's only four left in the world. And one of them was like two blocks down from where we were spending time in Brooklyn. So we decided to write the last arcade. Wow. Yeah, and so you want to talk about the last arcade a little bit? Um, initially, when I heard it, it reminded me, it reminded me of something from the '80s. You know, uh, Stranger Things, the show on Netflix, that immediately came to mind with the uh, the themes with that. So right. how did you come up with the music to that? Uh, yeah, it's very different from, from what we've written in the past. And there's going to be more of that coming up. So I hope you guys like it. But yeah, so I really started like listening to electronic music, like Daft Punk and Foster the People, and really mm -hmm. started getting into that kind of stuff. And it was something I actually used to hate, like the synthesizers and all this new sounding stuff. 
But then I really got into it and my bandmates were, of course, already into it, making that kind of music. So we kind of started writing using synthesizers and, you know, a bunch of electric instruments that ended up sounding pretty cool and retro-y at the same time. So I think it gives a nice blend of, uh, you know, modern music and a nice nod to the 80s music. Yeah, and who introduced you to the to the electronic music that that's incorporated in this song? Um, myself, actually, I I always um, was looking for something new to listen to. I kind of got sick of listening to the Rattlesley Peppers, even though they're my favorite band. But I kind of started getting into like Pharrell, and mm -hmm. then that led me to Daft Punk, which is you know very electronic and like EDM. And then I kind of started to just like range from there, you know, like even like hip hop, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, but that's not really influenced my music. Yeah. yeah so I guess, I guess myself out of boredom and curiosity. So you said on social media that you're especially excited for the, re the release of this song. We've had the opportunity to listen to it, me and Matt. We agree that it's, it's really well done. I really liked it. As someone who's not like really into rock as much as as much as yeah. Matt is, and some of my other friends, what makes the song so special for you? Um, oh, I think it's I think the fact that it's different from anything else that we I've written slash my band. Um, yeah, and I just think overall the lyrics are different. Like, kind of, we haven't really aimed to write about that kind of stuff. It's kind of like kind of really fictional but also like cool and retro at the same time. So I'm definitely looking forward to putting it out and hopefully it does well. Yeah. I think it will. But. <laughs> and, and you, you uh, foreshadowed earlier uh, when you brought up the last arcade that there's more to come. Is this, is this your next album? Is it going to be uh, electronic based? Um, no, there's definitely some rock tunes in there. Actually like some pretty heavy rock tunes, but it's kind of like there's some it's hard to explain like this one song called forever which is not out yet but that's kind of like rock mixed with um there's synths in there too it it kind of all has the same feel i think like synth synth rock but but not like a cheesy synth rock you know yeah. but i don't know uh, i think it all kind of has its own genre but in the same way is connected. Did you write the music or the lyrics first? And did you did you play the synthesizer on the recording? Uh, no, we, I did not play the synthesizer on the recording, but we did okay. use the synthesizer I have. But, <laughs> but, um, we wrote, I actually came in, God, my dog. I actually came into um, the session with a song and the chords already written that way. And then they kind of changed it around my band and they kind of put lyrics to it. I put lyrics to it. We all kind of wrote the lyrics together. So we had the chords all ready to go. And it's literally a three chord song, but it somehow managed to work out. But yeah, we all wrote the lyrics together and the chords I actually already wrote ahead of time. So those, usually the chords come first for us. Okay. so. Let's talk about your, your first album for the record. Tell me about how'd you write Leave Us, Leave Us Behind? It, that's about Vietnam, right? Yeah, uh, basically 
it, it wasn't originally about that. I was just kind of writing like in a notebook and I realized that it started to sound, you know, get the details of the Vietnam War. And then I started, then I just went full force with that idea and it kind of turned into a song about the Vietnam War. What, was, it an, was it an easy song to write or was it one of your hardest songs to write? Uh, yeah, it was pretty easy. I wrote it like in a few days. It, again, that's a three chord song, I think. Usually the three chord songs are, in my opinion, the catchiest and the easiest to write. Yeah. I relate to them. But yeah, I think that one turned out pretty good. It surprisingly never made the cut for a single, which I always pushed for, but. Well, yeah, talking about revival, I I always thought that revival was an, was an interesting choice as your first single. Who, who made that decision and, and why did that ultimately become the single? Um, well, there were three singles for the record. Um, and I was signed up with a PR company team out of New Jersey and they really pushed for the song, what I can get into this lifetime and leave us and revival as the three singles and revival. We ended up filming a music video for in uh, Manhattan, which mm -hmm. was pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like what came out and yeah, so I, I, those were not my three top three at all but they really pushed for it and I kind of gave in because they believed in those three songs a lot. And I think, you know, I think they did pretty well, especially what, what I can get in revival did pretty good. For me, revi uh, what I can get that that's my second favorite song on the record outside of leave us behind. Cause I think the leave us behind studio version is really awesome. Cool. Yeah. I think they're both good for sure. What, what was your toughest song for you to write on that record? Just curious. Um, probably um, Unsinkable or Into This Lifetime. And Unsinkable was really hard to sing. It, I remember like in Seattle, we spent like three days trying just to record the vocals because it was not, yeah, it was not good. <sighs> really late nights, but yeah, definitely Unsinkable and Into This Lifetime. And those chords, like there was a bunch of like really weird chords and they were both written in weird keys as well. Yeah. So those ones were hard to get down, but I think that ended up all right. So tell us about the revival music video. What, what was it like to shoot a music video like that? And like kind of, you have any stories that you want to tell from that experience? Yeah, so we did like two days of shooting it. And um, I actually had a show in New York City uh, at the end of the week. So I spent a week in New York and this was last June. So this was like a whole year ago. And I remember it was really rainy and we had to film outside in the rain and that was really hard. And we had to film down in the subways, which was also kind of hard. It was really crowded and hot and really rainy. It was actually like a terrible time filming. <laughs> it was just not that fun to me, but I think when I saw it and it came out, I thought it ended up pretty well. Um, yeah, so we spent two days and we filmed, I had actually had two shows in New York City. One of them was with a band and one of them was a solo show at Cafe Wa. So they filmed me playing at both of those shows and kind of blended them together as a music video. And also they filmed me like walking around New York City um, you know, walking through the subways and actually some of it was filmed here in Rochester, New York. 
as well because we ran out of time in New York. <laughs> so we had, we ended up filming filming the rest of it in Rochester as it were in New York City. So you so you filmed the music video in New York and then when you actually recorded the album though you went out to Seattle. Why why Seattle? And yeah, I think my only question is why Seattle? That's a that's a long way. Yeah. Um well, I get, I ha I have a really good fan fan base in Seattle. Like it's it's pretty good. It's like more than my hometown for sure. Like I can pack a place there rather than <laughs> why, but, why that is. Well, I think going back to the fact that I played with Eddie Vedder and back to your question on why Seattle, I uh, reached out to a couple of producers, two of them, which were from Seattle and they were both interested and we kind of spent some time deciding which one to go with. And we ended up going with Barrett Jones who uh, worked with Nirvana and recorded the first Foo Fighters album. Hmm. So we, we went with him and that was pretty cool. So tell us about your, oh. I, I was just saying, I think it was a smart move to uh, go to Seattle and record for sure. And so tell us about your experiences in Seattle. Do you remember, like what was, so you said Into This Lifetime and Unsinkable, those were some of the hardest songs to write, but like what were your favorite experiences from that time? Um, well, I spent like two and a half weeks there and it was like right before Christmas. I remember I got home like, Christmas Eve or the day before. And it, it was just really cool because number one, uh, just like the whole city was lit up with Christmas stuff. So it was kind of cool. And we rented like an Airbnb and it kind of just looked over the city. It was right next to the Space Needle, which is pretty cool. Just the feeling of being in Seattle and recording for like 20 days was really cool during Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it kind of all together had this good feel, you know? Yeah. So you've you've played at some pretty pretty cool places. You played at Bottle Rock last uh, last May, right? Last May. Yep. And then you played at Easy Street Records. So what is it like to perform live, especially in those like Easy Street Records, especially that's a historic venue. And what is it like to perform there? Um, for Easy Street, it was really cool. It's something we were trying to get together for a while, and it kind of happened at the last moment. We found out in August, last August, I was playing. And then a month later, I headed over in September and that was really cool. We had a really good time and it was with the whole band. And like, it was just kind of like, even though the performance was really cool, it's just kind of really fun to like hang out with the band in like a new city. Even though it's like not new to me, it's new to them. So it's kind of cool showing them around and just, you know, just hanging out. But yeah, playing there was definitely really cool. There's a bunch of people. It was filmed as well. Um, it was promoted really well. And I sold a lot of records there, which is cool as well. Sweet. Is there is there anyone you uh, model your performances off of? Um, yeah, I go back to like my influences. Like people, people say my guitar playing sounds like Josh Klinghoffer, who used to play for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. No longer does. I've had that comment come up a bunch, which I don't mind because he is probably my favorite guitar player. But yeah, I think I think it goes back to my influences, like Jack White, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, I don't try to be like them, but I, I'm sure it shows on stage. Yeah. So how long have you been uh, 
how long have you been homeschooled for? And when, when did you make that decision? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting story. Um, I became homeschooled at the beginning of eighth grade. This year I'll be going into the 10th. So this will be like my third year being homeschooled. It kind of went from homeschool to like online school to like taking classes at a college to get some college credits. So it's kind of bouncing around, but I definitely like it because number one, I can travel, stay home, write music, go to bed, you know, fairly whenever I want, but still get the work done in a timely manner for my parents' sake. Yeah. But overall, it's, it's definitely much better than regular school. Do you miss like having those social interactions like with like your teacher or or classmates? No, because I didn't really get along with anyone in school, particularly my classmates and teachers like really went downhill fast from fourth grade. (laughs) But um, no, I think I get that um, like, um, you know, that interaction with my music. And obviously I I still have friends and hang out with them. Yeah. And also, you know, my band and just the interactions I have from traveling. So I think it all works out all right. Yeah. So you used to be in a band uh, through the program Camp Camp Rockstar, which is run by a Daughtry member. So like, yeah. what was it like to be in like a band with them? And then when did you make that decision to to start your own band? Uh, this was back when I was like 12. So I was a bit younger. I'm like 15 now. Uh, that, um, yeah, that was just, you know, I knew this guy, Elvio Fernandez, who lives in Rochester, he plays in Daughtry, and I knew a couple of the bandmates that wanted to form a band with me, and we kind of just hit it off and formed a band called Primrose, that lasted about a year, because I ended up going to Seattle, and that kind of split it up to record that record, okay. and then I came home from Seattle, I formed the band you know, Jack West. Yeah. How, how did you find, how did you find the band members for, for your own band? Uh, I knew a guy named Mike or Mark Batter and he's out of Rochester and he hooked me up with them, you know, at the Eastman School of Music. Um, yeah. So they came over one time and we just started uh, playing a bunch of songs and it kind of formed the band. That's, that's pretty cool. Do you remember like the point what song when you were like oh these are the guys who i who i want to record with and also perform with yeah i mean right right when they walked in you know, they're all really cool um luckily I, I have all the same band members even though i switch a few out if like one guy can't make a show we'll have a substitute mm-hmm. but yeah i actually um I didn't record for the record uh, with um, those bandmates. The, that was just all me and Seattle guys. But yeah, the, these guys are great. And I definitely click with them. And we write a bunch of music now together. And it all kind of worked out. I've been with them for like a year and a half now. Wow. Yeah. So when it comes to the future of rock, where do you think it's going to be in like the next like 20 years? Are you... Are you worried that rock and roll isn't going to really be present anymore after like this, this last generation who was very into like rock from the nineties or alternative, you could say, do you think it's not going to be present anymore in like a 20, 30 years? Uh, no, I think it will. I, I think, 
I think it will, if anything, it will grow because I think like every 30 years, things start to come back, like vinyl starting to come back. So I think it'll make a comeback and I think it already is. Yeah. How, how are you using your platform to help it grow? Um, as far as social media, I really like Instagram and I use it as much as I can. Um, I think uh, as far as like promoting stuff, I think it's really a useful tool. Same with YouTube. I don't use Twitter that much. I, I think I deleted that. But yeah, I think Instagram's the way to go if you're trying to get your music out there. And obviously Spotify and YouTube. Mm -hmm. I think that helps a lot with, uh, you know, I think they'll help for sure. So going back to, to the new song, The Last Arcade, you referenced Silver Centipede, which was like a popular video game from the 80s. Are you, are you into 80s arcade games? How did, how did that line come up? Uh, no, I'm not into 80s arcade games at all. Um, we were Googling, like, we kind of were just like Googling, like, names of arcade games to put in there. And we thought Silver Centipede was a cool line. And uh, I think it's a catchy line as well. But yeah, so we didn't really know anything about arcade games, except well, obviously we came across the Killer Queen arcade game. Mm -hmm. first. But yeah, I, I actually don't play video games at all. Like, you know, it's all my brother who does that. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that's why it's so cool because it's something I really, I'm not a part of. Yeah. I wrote a song out of it, so. So when you're, when you're writing music, how long do you find yourself are you like trying to like bang out a song in like two hours or do you tend to write it over the course of multiple days um as far as you know for the record there were songs on there that took like that song flower city i wrote that song when i was 11 and i kind of been writing it for the past three years and making it better because obviously the older i get the better the songwriting is going to get Mm -hmm. But this, the last arcade, we started writing in October and like tweaking ever since. So you could say these songs take, you know, definitely more than days to write. Some songs, though, like they can take a couple hours, but like all together, you know, definitely take some time to get it where we want it. Yeah. Craig Finn, uh, he's the lead singer in the Hold Steady. He said when like he's writing a song each day, he goes back, he goes back to the song and looks at the lyrics and his goal is to get rid of the weakest line and he doesn't stop until he feels that the song is like strong enough to hold on its own do you have like a technique like that yeah um i think the lyrics are my strongest point when it comes to writing um i think i've always been a pretty good writer in my opinion but yeah, so we'll go through like even after something's completely written and switch out lines to make it perfect. And my bandmates have been really like precise with that. They've been, they've actually helped me a lot to like critique my writing. So in what way specifically? Um, just as far as like, you know, like the vocab, like certain words work better with other lines and like maybe reverse a line, like, you know what I mean? Or just you know, reverse like a chorus and a verse, mm -hmm. those kind of things, the technical stuff, just to make it perfect and where we want it. Cool. So transitioning to uh, Saturday night, you posted like an emotional version of, of people have the power on your Instagram, uh, tagging Black Lives Matter. 
how are you using that platform to for for the better and for positive change um well i think it's uh through these you know times and all with uh you know the whole george floyd incident in minneapolis i think you know it's important to speak out about it even if it's like in a video or you know, a picture or a message or whatever it may be. So yeah, I think it was the right thing to do and just, you know, give that nod to Black Lives Matter by tagging them for sure. And I think it's a good song to go with that kind of, you know, through these type of times. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, I was gonna ask why that cover because I think the song choice gives, um, like it's a great importance to the power us as citizens have. Do you wanna go into that a little bit more? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I actually learned that song like four years ago, and I haven't played it in a while. But my dad actually um, brought it up. He uh, suggested that might be a good song. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Kind of fits, you know, these looming days, <laughs> I'd say. But uh, yeah, I just think the whole message of the song overall um, really shows what the world is going through right about now. Yeah. So going back to like your musical interests, so Red Hot Chili Peppers, how did you, how'd you find out about them? And, and how did you, how'd you learn about like Pearl Jam? Uh, I and my dad just like, well, the first CD I ever got, well, I was four and it was uh, the Morrison Hotel mm -hmm. called, you know, the Doors album. So I was first turned on to the doors and then my dad always liked Pearl Jam. It's his favorite band. And then, you know, I started listening to them and then, you know, it kind of that led to, you know, the police, which I never really got into. That was just like, I'm just thinking back on old CDs I had. And then I got, you know, then I started getting into the Red Hot Chili Peppers like three years ago, like intensely. I always knew who they were, but now like, you know, I know every little bit about them. What's your what's your favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers song? And does that song is that song better than every other song there or no? Uh, my favorite, uh, it changes like all the time, but I think currently it's probably good. You probably have to be uh, the longest wave, which is on the new record that came out. Well, not really new, like four years ago. Their most recent record. Um, it's kind of a less renowned song, but yeah, I think the I think it jumps around. But as of now, I think it's the longest wave. It used to be uh, like Wet Sand, which is on the Stadium Arcadium album. Mm -hmm. But I feel like going back to like when like we were kids, I feel like there's always that that one song that your parents introduced to you and you remember that like going through your musical career or whether whether or not you play music or not i think there's always that one song that kind of just carries with you i remember sitting in my dad's car and it was right after backspacer came out uh backspacer by pearl jam and i remember listening to unthought known and remembering oh wow this song this song's amazing and i remember thinking i remember thinking about it like it was yesterday do you have a song like that for you? Noah, do you have a song like that for you? Uh, as far as me, uh, I think um, it's definitely a Pearl Jam song. But probably I remember my dad would play Love Boat Captain, Pearl Jam all the time in the living yeah. room. 
So that's like the first Pearl Jam song I ever heard. Uh, and I think it's always stuck with me ever since. I like it. I used to play it, you know, cover it, but I actually haven't heard it in a while. Mm. Ride Act for me is, is, is my favorite album. I love how they, they're willing to, to write about anything, especially politics. And I think at that time there needed to be something said. And I think they, they said it well. Noah, do you want to share an experience? Um, not, not really experience. I kind of want to talk about songwriting a little more because right. I'm a little different from you two guys. I, I, I dabble in music a little, I'd say. I mean, I've made a couple like rap songs, but I'm not as serious as Matt. Definitely not as serious as you. And the, the way I write songs, I think of something like I can make fun of my friends, something clever to say about them, make them laugh. But what, what do you think of like the first thing you do when you go to write a song? Uh, first thing I do when I go to write a song, um, going back to like the music, I mean, I've been writing a lot of songs on the piano lately, and I think um, whatever comes to mind, I don't try to force anything out. Like, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night and a melody is stuck in my head, then I'll re write it down. But yeah, I don't try to force anything out. I just, whatever words come out, comes out, unless I'm like, primarily trying to write about something like the last arcade yeah so how is writing on piano different than than writing on guitar i've i'm not able to play piano so i've never experienced that oh uh, yeah i've been playing piano like a bunch lately like over the past like year um yeah i really like it and it's different because it gives you like I think it like broadens your horizon as like melody wise because like there's like literal keys to like play in front of you unlike guitar where it's kind of like more like technical so I think piano is good for piano is used a lot in pop and I think people who write pop uh, definitely resort to the piano more than they do the guitar which I don't have a problem with it's just like I still want that rock vibe to be there and then we do that by adding guitars and later but yeah, I think like most of the stuff I've written late, lately, including The Last Arcade, was written on the piano. Why do you think that piano is associated with pop music like that? Because um, you have Billy Joel and Elton John and, well, Elton John you could consider a little bit more poppy than, yeah, you could also consider Billy Joel a little bit more pop too. But why do you yeah. think, it's, why, why is the association there? Well, number one, I think it's the sound that comes out of it. It's more like, dreamy than like aggressive like guitar and also the way like you play it because it's just more straightforward and like you know you're like it's it just like it's hard to explain like melodies come out of it way more easily than they do on guitar and i think that's a main reason why um piano and synthesizers are used a lot nowadays i think is is ancient as the piano is i think it's also the newest of instruments out there yeah do you have any other like stories or anecdotes you want to tell us about? Hmm. Uh, hmm that's a good question. Got it. Well, I think just overall, uh, just back to the writing. I think like for anyone who's trying to write a write a song, I think it's important not to. I think it's really important not to like force writing out because a lot of people ask me like, how do you write songs? And then I tell them like can't force it out. They're like, ah, oh, that's really true. 
So yeah, I think like if I could say anything about songwriting, that would be the number one um, thing to say. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely cool. Thanks for asking. Oh, no problem. Uh, Everyone, check check out the last arcade coming out Friday. Yeah. Friday. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Do you like the Do you like the acoustic version or the electric version or the full band version more? Uh, I like the full band version more. My dad likes. I've heard people say they like the acoustic version more. I just don't. I the only reason I've been posting the acoustic version is like for promotional reasons. Okay. But yeah, I just really think the full band version. Yeah, is... I think the the full band version kind of ties everything together, especially the theme of the last arcade. Yeah, you don't get the same feeling acoustically. Well, uh, for sure. Thank you again. This has been great. Uh, thank you for everyone listening to the Matt Levine My Generation podcast episode two. Noah, thank you again. Jack, thanks for spending some time with us, mm-hmm. and uh, see you guys. Yep. See you guys. Thank you.